0: Do you have a desire to help families thrive? Do you want to use your professional skills to make a difference for Canadians across the country? Named one of the best Christian workplaces in Canada, Focus on the Family Canada is looking for skilled, passionate people to join our dynamic team. If you or someone you know feels called to be part of our team, explore current job openings today at focusonthefamily.ca slash employment. That's focusonthefamily.ca slash employment.
1: I bought a life insurance policy for my son when he was 25, 26 years old so I could afford to bury him because I knew he wasn't going to live. I knew he was going to die. He was going to kill himself, drugs, motorcycles, something. So I'm thinking proactively, what can I do? Okay, I can't, I can't afford to bury him. I better pay for this life insurance policy. And I remember sitting there thinking, this is just not how it's supposed to be. This is not how parenting is supposed to be.
0: Mm, that's Allison Botke describing one of the more extreme challenges that moms and dads may face with their adult kids, especially when there's a lack of healthy boundaries within a family. I'm John Fuller, and Allison is our guest today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus president and author
2: Jim Daly. John, a significant uh, part of what we do every day here at Focus is to encourage and empower parents we want to help you. That's the bottom line. Uh, Mom and dad, we're here for you as you partner with God to do the best job possible with your children. And now we're aware that some family situations are more difficult than others, and we often hear from you about where your children are at, especially the 20, 30-somethings, adult children who uh, maybe launched well, maybe haven't launched so well. Uh, maybe they didn't get accepted into college, or maybe they're in a slump with the job market, or maybe there's been an issue through the teen years, and that has now imploded in their 20s. Whatever it might be. Uh, we're here for you. And this is a concern, adult kids. Uh, This is something every
0: parent can relate to at some point in time, Uh, the fear that my child is going to fail to launch. Um, They're going to get stuck somewhere in that transition to adulthood. Um, We all know families where the adult kids are still living at home, and the parents are still wondering, will they ever leave? Or like my family, it's been a revolving door. They leave, and then they come back, and then they
2: leave again. It, it can be a trying time. Yeah, maybe your young adult or someone you know is young adult uh, is a prodigal or they're choosing a lifestyle that's contrary to how you raise them. That often is the conflict. Uh, there may be addiction or something worse. Uh, whatever the issue is, we know it's breaking your heart as mm-hmm. a parent. And again, we at Focus are here to help. Today, we're going to explore how you can love those adult children well, even when it's hard uh, going through it. Our guest is Allison Botke, and uh, she has firsthand experience in this area. Her personal story is dramatic. And well- While some details may not directly apply to your situation, she has some great parenting advice and wisdom to share with all of us. Mm -hmm. And Allison is a popular author and
0: speaker. Uh, She's written more than 32 books, and the one we're going to be referring to today is called Setting Boundaries with Your Adult Children, Six Steps to Hope and Healing for Struggling Parents. Get in touch for a copy and let us know if we can be of any help. We do have caring Christian counselors here as well. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by FocusOnTheFamily.ca. Allison,
2: welcome to Focus on the Family. Welcome back,
0: really. Thank
1: you. Thanks for having me back.
2: good to have you back. Um, Let's start with that failure to launch concept. Um, We're seeing that uh, is growing in our culture today. Why do you think this is a growing problem for today's families?
1: Well, a lot of it's financial. You know, the, the, the financial challenges that young people have on the outside, uh, whether they've not budgeted well, and that happens a lot. They they don't know how to live. They don't know how to financially mm-hmm. budget their, their, their lives. So they come back home. And it's, you know what, it's, it becomes so easy. Parents have allowed this and why not if, if why not go back home if I'm going to have my rent paid and my electricity yeah, paid right. and food and somebody's going to cook for me? And it's a, it's a double-edged sword there. Yeah.
2: We know all parents, I think, have that, especially with your junior and senior in high school. I mean, I'm in that spot right now. I've got a senior in high school, and I thankfully have one who's two years into his journey with college. Uh, but you do begin to wonder, are we going to get there? How's has has that launch platform going to go? <laughs> you know, the steam and the combustible engines and all those well, things and, and, you need. And
1: it may not even be that there's a failure to launch. It's just a shift in our economy, a shift in, in lifestyle. It's not always a bad thing to have adult children living at home. Mm-hmm. If it's an equitable situation, if it's everyone's helping each other and boundaries aren't being stepped on, you know, we've spent generations used to live together, you know, multi-generations. So it's only been in modern times that these kids, you know, are are, are pushed out like this. You know, we expect them to be out on their own. Some instances, that might not be a possibility. Yeah, and
2: I appreciate that. And we're going to talk more about how to create something that's constructive for everybody. But (laughs) we want to talk about the issues before that, you know. And sometimes parents can create this problem at least contribute to it, correct?
1: Absolutely. I
2: mean, that, <laughs> that's uh, certainly something that can happen, and, and you can actually cause things to go uh, worse than you anticipated. How do parents contribute negatively to their children's failure to launch?
1: They become that safe landing place for them and don't want them to feel pain. That sounds so right, though. So it's, yeah, exactly, but it's not helpful. Everything good grows out of pain. It's like physical therapy. You're not going to get healthier if you've got an injured bone until you go through physical therapy, and it's painful. Life spurts, growing is painful sometimes. How else else do we learn consequences? This is really the key that parents are, are... Challenged with they don 't allow their children to experience the consequences of their actions you 've got a
2: couple of stories <laughs> yes. in this way, I think you call it uh, enabling parents in training <laughs> so what what are those stories? Just get our listeners and viewers up to speed.
1: yeah I, I think finding myself dealing with boundaries as much as i do i 'm very aware when boundaries are an issue. I was at a store once and saw a woman who's obviously frazzled. I could say she, a customer was in front of her. She could have gotten rid of her and I was standing there and I said are you okay? And just to say that she lost it. Yes, and she's no, I'm not. I'm so I'm, I'm so mad. I'm so angry. And she just started talking about her family and her kids and she loans them money and they don't pay her back and they'll say can I borrow a 10? <laughs> she gives them a 20 and never sees change. And I asked questions i'm, I'm I say, well, why do you do that if if he, if he is consistently doing that why do you continue to give him money well because and then, then this one's yeah, yeah. so, a litany of, of excuses um well, and her husband was the same way he didn't clean he didn't help in the house she's working they own the business and it, it was just a litany of anger and yet, like resentment yes a resentment anger and when it comes down there i said you know well you can make different choices <laughs> and, and she kind of looked at me and it, it went, like, right over her head that she could do anything different it was hard for her to realize. What did you have in mind for her? And I would think uh, sanity. She needed sanity. She needed to stop doing what she was doing and really and get around some supportive people to talk about this. Otherwise, right. she's – I don't know what's going to happen. Who knows whether she's going to burn out or I, – I don't know what the children were like, if they were at all respectful or dangerous. Right. You know, what's you know? the other story? So, so – I was standing in line at a sandwich shop, and there was a mom and a son in front of me. And he—he he was, I would say, maybe seventeen. Yeah, I, I don't. It was hard to tell. Um, but he had a coupon in his hand. And he, he was reading it. and He couldn't understand really what what it meant. And I heard him talk to her. And he said, what, what, "What do you suppose this means for the sandwich?" She said, "Well, I don't know. When you get up there, ask him." So I'm watching them. And they get up to the counter, and he speaks up that he started to speak up and said, you know, what does this and she jumped right in and took said, over. It, it took over the whole conversation and I watched him physically just shrink. Yeah. You know, and my heart ached for him too. I thought, you know, mom, you're giving mixed messages here. You're telling him go ahead and ask, which is good. This is how he learns, and yet you don't trust him enough. Or maybe it's is it trust? What what is the issue? You don't think he can speak for himself? You, that that you just or in such a hurry that you want to just what I don't know what it is. So so, but I saw that and thought, boy, that that young man now is learning. And how many times has she done that? So how hard will it be for him to launch you know, to to trust yeah. himself that he knows what to ask or to do? Uh,
2: Allison, let's uh, get that definition of enabling versus helping. I mean, I think with parents, that's where that tough line is, and. I don't even know if there's a clear distinction, but what would you suggest to parents to understand what is helpful help mm-hmm. and what is enabling or counterproductive help?
1: I've always said that helping is doing something for someone that they can't do for themselves. So you help them, enabling is doing something for someone that they can. And frankly, should be doing for themselves. Right. You know, I, I often use the the example of a young child learning to tie their shoes. You know, you're helping them by tying it for them and, and, and showing them how to do this. But if they're 10, 12 years old and just don't want to tie their shoes and you're bending down to tie their shoes for them, something is wrong with this picture. Right. So, so they, you know, they can do it on their own. So it's really looking at what they are capable of doing. And this is a big issue. We don't really know what our kids are capable of doing because we've done it for them so often. And, you know, some listeners, they're probably,
2: they may have 20-something kids and they're doing well, they're off to college or whatever it might be. I want to kind of give a contour of this out of the statistics. I think Pew Research Center in 2016 identified that 15% of 25 to 35-year-old millennials were living in their parents' homes which was a higher rate than Generation Xers in 2000. Uh, Between 2005 and 2010, more than 20% of 25-year-old high school graduates who never attended college were not employed or in the military. For those with some college, employment rates were slightly higher. But basically it's like an 80-20 rule. There's about 20% of 20 somethings that aren't launching well. Does that sound about
1: right? It does. And a lot of that I keep coming back to that financial issues. A lot of them are education is expensive. So they may not be able to have you know afford to live on their own. Sure. However, the caveat to that is a lot of these young people are, you know, driving very fancy vehicles that they've managed to pay for, you know, and and very fancy electronic devices and You know, so parents are funding a lifestyle, and that's the problem. And and it doesn't always happen that way. Like I said, there are parents that that understand those boundaries, and the kids are home. And for whatever reason, again, whether it's financial, maybe it's emotional, maybe they had a breakup. You know, young people, especially these young men, I'm learning, they have breakups that devastate them. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a divorce or even just a you know a breakup from a girlfriend, it's
2: Yeah. You know, Allison, so often the older I get, the simpler some things get. When I look at scripture and I see the metaphors of what God is talking to us about, he uses marriage as a metaphor. uh, He's the bride, we're the bridegroom, Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. And specifically when I look at parenting, of course, we're made in his image. So my thought is some of our desires are from God's heart. And then some of those things that are uh, maybe unhealthy are from the sin that enters our heart in this world, right? So when I look at the parenting uh, approach, I feel like when we're trying to give good things to our children, that is a a personality of God. In other words, it says in Scripture, he too wants to give good things to his children. But there is also the side of God that he allows us to go through valleys to grow, to exactly. gain wisdom, to better appreciate the good things that we have in life when they come our way. How do we as parents pull back from the rescue mentality? I mean, oftentimes, think about it spiritually, we will pray, God, help us out of the situation. And then we're frustrated that God has not helped us out of that situation. We might even go as far as asking, Are you truly there, God? Don't you know this situation that I'm in? And like a good parent, he's, Yeah. But I think you're going to learn something good through this. You allude to that in parenting, but it's so hard for us to let our adult children, particularly, again, 20, 30-somethings, walk through a valley where they've got to figure out how to get out of it. Even though we could jump in, we can help them out of our retirement account. If it's financial, we can help them. But restraint is often the wiser choice.
1: (laughs) Yes, it is. And that's where we need People around us to hold us accountable, to that we can really share these challenges that we have with. Um, And if it's a hole in our heart that we're trying to fill, we've got to look at that and pray for wisdom and discernment to shine the light on us. And that's the key right there to be able to see how to respond to your child the positive way. You really have to turn the light on you and say, "What is it about me, God?" Instead of Mm. praying, "Oh, let me, my son needs this, or my daughter needs this, or how do it's." Lord, give me the insight and the wisdom to know what I have to change about myself.
2: Yes, but I'm getting more to. <laughs> I'm thinking more of the allowing your children to suffer consequences for their decisions, and that should really start when they're young. But we bail them out because and we don't want to do see we bail them out?
1: suffer. Because it, there's something right. we we haven't learned the right parenting skills. Many in many instances, you know, a lot of a lot of us don't know. What, you know, This is a job that we don't even get education for. Our parents just are dropped into parenthood. Yeah. Allison, it's hard. Uh, i, yes, I got to tell you, you're calloused
2: as a mom. If you're not going to bail.
1: He's supposed to bring brownies to the school luncheon, and you, you didn't exactly. make Exactly. Boy, it's, and the guilt. Don't we have guilt? You know, yeah. And that's, that's a whole other story, mm-hmm. how yeah. to get over the guilt and the fear.
0: This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in
3: just a moment.
2: Are you an elder or deacon in your church? Are you concerned that your pastor may be reaching a place of burnout? Focus on the Family Canada has designed a retreat for pastoral couples. Help them stay fresh and renew their excitement about their ministry in your church. Help them pause from the busyness of life so they can take time to receive from God and deepen their connection to Him. If you want to bless your pastoral couple with rest, renewal, and reconnection with God, visit karethretreats.ca. That's karethretreats.ca.
3: Do you and your spouse keep having the same fight again and again? Do you wish you had more intimacy in your marriage? Focus on the Family Canada has created a free video series called Enrich Your Marriage. In these seven videos, marriage therapists Wayne Reed and Vicki Hooper provide proven tools and principles that will help you strengthen your relationship with your spouse. Sign up for this free video series at focusonthefamily.ca slash enrichyourmarriage.
0: thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming.
2: You know, I think it's really helpful for people to understand from your own experience, you know, the things that God taught you. Help us understand the background and factors that led to the troubles that you experienced with your son. You've stated it started with your Your own rough upbringing. Uh, What happened for you? What were those triggers for you?
1: For me, well, I I was raised in a very poor family as well. My parents were divorced. My I had a single mom, three siblings. I was the middle child. I was, you know, the middle child.
0: You were the the overlooked child. I
1: I know. (laughs) Yeah, I laugh about. Yeah, but I didn't know I was poor. You know, you don't know you're poor when when there's other things. And and my mom was a you know great provider. Um, Right. But but she got very sick, and I was sent to foster care. And during foster care, I was abused and beaten. My my brother was, too. So it was mm-hmm. a horrible situation. We were gone. She was in the hospital for two weeks, and we were in a foster home for two, two weeks. Just two weeks. Just two weeks. Mm. But had had the police not found me, these, the foster parents left my brother and I in an abandoned house. They were gone. How old are you at this point? I was five years old. Yeah. Um, mm. five, and your I, brother I'm, was young. My brother was a couple months old in a... Wow! In a crib, they found me locked underneath the stairwell, and my eyes were punched shut. I, I don't remember any of this, um, but I had a fear of the dark—horrible fear of the dark—and um, sure. and really grew up not understanding why what, what that fear came from. But also being in a broken home, you know, that that love of a father was really. We all need that, and I didn't have that from an earthly father, and I didn't grow up in a Christian family, so I didn't have that love of a heavenly father, and I wanted to fill that with something, so I, I was one of those you know, young people that went off and ran away and got married. I was 15, Very young. 15 years old. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, and it was because I knew, I was strong-willed. You know, um, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. I, this man was a wonderful human being. He was, you know, we, we belonged together. It this was, man
2: who was 16?
1: He actually, was 18, so okay. he was 18. Okay. older man. Right. The older man. Like, oh, it was a nightmare. He turned out to be incredibly abusive. Right. Um, the first time he hit me was the day we were married. And I thought, mm. whoa, wait a minute. What is happening here? So my whole life in issues was all caught up in how I responded to people and how I needed and wanted love and how I... Perceived love, what that was to me and and control was a big issue being able to you know be so out of control with that with abuse it's a horrible thing to experience that and be able to become strong enough to get out of that relationship and I had my son I had my son when I was sixteen and i and I, I vowed I was going to be you know a great mom and take care of him and, and do everything I, you know, could to take care of it. And to me, that equated to money. It was a lot of it was. Yeah, money. and
2: Allison, I can imagine. I mean, my heart goes out to you because of those experiences. No child should ever experience no. that. And seriously, I, but it does create some formative inputs for you. And I can only imagine. You know, your greatest goal as a mom was not to let your son suffer in any way. Exactly, and And, that's and, and, so, and so the basis is
1: right. But then the outcome can be really wrong yeah, right exactly and, and it 's amazing how many parents do have skeletons in their closet as young people we aren't we don 't all grow up in perfect families, and how we become parents and how we learn that role is very tied into our youth, how we were raised what yeah. what what, what we 're filling or not filling in our heart
2: going back to that question of enabling mm-hmm. versus uh, helping mm-hmm. in a loving way. What were those things specifically with your son that you think back on now that you enabled him, that it actually worked against him?
1: For me, I think it was making excuses, making excuses for the trouble he was getting into and the... What did that sound like in your head
2: when he got into trouble? What did you say to yourself?
1: Well, we were living in Southern California, Huntington Beach. He was a young kid that got caught up in the the punk crowd and the very anarchistic movement. You know, it was all anti-establishment, and he would get thrown out of school. He would play hooky. I'd make excuses. Well, you know, the teachers don't understand him, or they don't really appreciate his intellect, or they. I mean, I, I just. Uh. What was the breaking
2: point? Between you and your son, what was that incident that arrested your attention, and then you went, "Uh-oh, we've got a lot of work in front of Arrest,
1: us." Arrest, thats a good term. Arrested because it, it, my son was arrested. On, it was New Year's Eve. A- actually, back he—he he had a horrible motorcycle accident, almost killed himself. He was uh, metal pins in his arms and in his leg. He was lucky to be alive, um, and got caught back up though in the drug movement. But see again it was pain. It was pain management. Opioids were so prescribed, so there he is, back into drugs again. Uh, and right. the SWAT team broke into his house and arrested him and I got a call because I my name was on his lease. I paid for the house for a lease, I put my name on it, and it was a nightmare when I walked into that house after a SWAT team you don't even you see it on T V but you can't comprehend what it's like in reality. And the house itself was a Trash can. I mean, there were just bottles everywhere. It was New Year's Eve. There would have been a party there. Um, but it was, it, I walked in there. I thought, this is, no human being should live like this. Mm. But then the connection to me really was that I put my name on the lease. I paid for this. It's not this mess I'm looking at. I'm financially liable so for this. So that's one mess. enabling right there. Oh my gosh. Big, big, big And that woke me up in, in a way that. You know, I, I don't know that I ever really realized before. You know, so I'm standing there at the sink, dumping out li- liquor into his sink, looking out this window that was broken because that's where they threw the smoke bomb in the window. The whole house smelled acrid, like, like uh, chemicals from the, from the SWAT teams. It was crazy. And I'm thinking, how does somebody live like this? Mm-hmm. You know, And that connection was just so hard for me to make that Chris was back into this lifestyle again. Why couldn't he get off that gerbil wheel? But it wasn't just, why couldn't he get off the gerbil wheel? Why couldn't I get off of it? Yeah. And I realized I, at that point, I had to stop. I had to completely hmm. stop. And that's what my sanity steps came. I had to stop doing what I was doing and figure out why I was doing it. And right. no, no more focusing on him. I wasn't going to bail him out either. I'd, there was...
2: It well, was th- the last
1: time I bailed them out.
2: I think, you know, that's where we're going to come back next mm-hmm. time and speak to those things that you learned, the acronym SANITY <laughs> and what that stands yeah. for. And that's really the basis of your book, trying to help parents uh, be better equipped than you were as they begin to face these difficulties with their, I would say, codependent adult children and what, what they're, uh, you know, what they're getting out of the relationship with mom and dad. So let's do that. At the end here, Allison, without knowing those things, I'm mindful that we have pretty much ripped a Band-Aid off of some parents that are listening, that they have that 20-something child. And perhaps it is a prodigal child. Perhaps it is uh, related to drug abuse or some of those extreme behavioral things that some people get themselves into, particularly in their 20s. And uh, what word would you have for them? It's before you had your moment. (laughs) your realization that I've got to change direction, God, I need your help. What would you say to that parent that is listening going, wow, okay, I need change?
1: I, I would say that one word is hope. Never give up hope. There's, You can change. Your child can change. God is beyond capable of taking care of this nightmare that you're in. So hang on to that hope. Realize that if we have hearts filled with hope, no, nothing 's impossible, so we just can 't give up hope and that 's it. We get so frustrated and fearful and just tired. Parents get tired so um, especially at this you no know, time twenties if they've it, chances are this didn 't just happen overnight that they 're having challenges with a whether it 's a dysfunctional child failure to launch child a troubled child this isn 't an overnight thing, so it 's been going on for a while <laughs> and we just get tired, and we want to give up. So I would say just hang on to hope that anything's possible. What did you do
2: specifically when you felt you were leaning into hopelessness, though? There had to be those nights when you're laying oh. your head on your pillow and you're saying to God, I don't want to assume, so correct me if oh, I'm wrong, but,
1: absolutely. Lord, I
2: don't see hope here.
1: Absolutely. And, and it was hard <laughs> just to say, I just, I just can't deal with this. He's, I, I bought a life insurance policy for my son when he was— 25, 26 years old, so I could afford to bury him because I knew he wasn't going to live. I knew he was going to die. He was going to kill himself, drugs, motorcycle, something. So I'm thinking proactively, what can I do? Okay, I can't can't afford to bury him. I better pay for this life insurance policy. And I remember sitting there thinking, this is just not how it's supposed to be. This is not how parenting is supposed to be. Mm. And realizing that, okay, I had to shine again that's where i just shine the light back on me why am i doing this it's not so much why why our kids are doing the things they're doing that's important but how have we contributed to this what is it that we have to do what is it that we have to change to be able to have hope to be able to help these kids in a helpful way you know and be able to separate it's a separation because we're just you know we're we're still connected to these kids Mm -hmm. you know and um There's got to be that separation. Yeah.
2: No, I so appreciate that, Allison, in your heart. And I see the tears and, uh, you know, it's still raw. And that's appreciated by the people that are suffering and going through it right now. And I love the idea. Hang on to hope. That's all you've got. And let's come back next time and cover the steps and the ideas that brought you even greater hope. Uh, than simply buying an insurance policy, (laughs) right? Allison, thanks so much. And I hope uh, if this is an area that you're living in or you know somebody who is living in this space as the parent of an adult child who's struggling, call us, get a copy of the book. We'd love for you to be a part of the ministry to help other families. And uh, boy, the, the main point here is if you are in trouble, call us, we have a great counseling team. Who can help you? Who can talk with you about what you're um, seeing and what you're experiencing, so you can find, hopefully, godly equilibrium and good ideas on how to move forward.
0: Yeah, don't go this journey alone. Uh, our number is eight hundred A Family, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for this episode of Focus on the Family. Plan to be back with us next time as Allison continues sharing her story and insights. And we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.